0: Hey, everybody, and hello, humans. We are crashing the main feed today to bring you a hot off the presses bonus episode of the Not a Robot comic movie review show. In this episode, we're breaking from our normal routine to review a brand new comic movie release, Wonder Woman 1984 stay tuned for some more exciting news on twitter at not a robot show as you'll soon be getting this brand new show on its very own feed as always our patrons get access to this and all of our content early on their own curated feed on patreon so what are you waiting for verify your humanity and join the conversation over at patreon.com slash not a robot podcasts now on with the show Welcome to the Not-A-Robot Comic Movie Review Show, where we watch every comic book movie released between 1989's Batman all the way to 2008's Iron Man. We're going to break down and analyze every film and explore comics' somewhat turbulent relationship with the silver screen, all in search of the perfect comic movie. My name is Reed, and with me as always are my two intrepid co-hosts, Sam the duke
1: of deception
0: (laughs) and from the dc comics review show josh
2: hello humans
0: so sit back grab your tiaras and relax as we dive into wonder woman 1984 Now, this is the part normally in our show where we discuss our, our history with the movie and when it was the first time we saw it. But since this is a brand new film just coming out, we've all just seen it. Um, so I'll ask this question instead. Have uh, Did you guys see the first Wonder Woman? Uh, and When did you see that one?
2: I saw the first Wonder Woman on release day. I uh, There was such a big buzz for it. I've always been a big Wonder Woman fan so the fact that it looked like she was getting a legitimate movie made about her. I was all for it. The last attempt at being bringing a live-action Wonder Woman to the screen on TV didn't exactly go so well, so I was excited.
1: I've never seen it. Well, I saw probably most of it. I intended to watch it before we did this, but... Um just never got around to it. So (laughs) you'll have to take that with a grain of salt. Hey hey man, busy time. I mean, as,
2: as, as long as you've got a general impression of who the characters are, you don't really need to have watched the first movie to see this one.
1: Yeah. And actually I've, I've seen the highlights, I would say, you know, so everything that has anything to do with this movie, I understand.
0: Yeah. The trailer from the first one is enough to kind of get you in the headspace of where you need to be. Um, I, I'm with you, Josh. I saw this uh, right when it came out. Um, I was on board from the moment uh, Gal Gadot uh, appeared in Batman vs Superman, and she just kind of electrified the the screen. And I was on board. I was like, okay, anything she's in, I'm I'm okay with. I I'm, I'll be in it. I really enjoyed Wonder Woman uh, when it came out, and it was a, that was a really fun experience seeing that one in the theater, like people cheering and like. That that was a lot of fun. Um, missed that a little bit with this one, watching this one at home. But I will say uh, maybe it was nostalgia, but uh, for that first movie going experience. But I kind of got the same vibes while watching this one.
2: I did, too. I'm right there with you. I was there were there were just moments of excitement. There were uh, definitely a lot of times that that just pulled you right into the movie.
0: Oh yeah, this, this, this one is an easy watch. Well, without further ado, uh, let's dive into the plot. Now, before we move on, I just want to say uh, we will be talking about uh, plot details uh, and doing extensive spoilers, so here is your warning. Spoiler warning! Spoiler warning! Spoiler warning!
2: Spoiler alert!
0: We will be covering all the details, so that is your fair warning. If you haven't seen it yet, pause it, Pause the podcast, go watch a movie, and come back with us. Uh, or if you just uh, don't, uh, if you if you don't care about spoilers, then here we go. Now this one starts out with a great score kicking from my boy Hans Zimmer. Um, it's triumphant, it's exciting, and just as soon as I turned this thing on, I started getting pumped up. The first scene we see is a flashback to Themyscira as. Um, we we get ah a shots of the landscape zooming through, and we see a some sort of like festival or competition going on with a bunch of Amazonians doing all kind of crazy tricks and Cirque du Soleil business and running a course looking like an Amazonian ninja warrior.
1: Yeah, and it's funny you said Cirque du Soleil because it's a lot of practical stunts done by actual Cirque du Soleil performers. And the only thing I really notice at this point is there's some pretty unfavorable seating over the edge of a sheer rock face. But <laughs> I guess these are all tough Amazonians, so they can handle it. But I wouldn't want to sit there.
2: They fear no fall, and they're pulling off some pretty amazing uh, physical feats. That, that you know, as far as 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 far as I could never do half the stuff I saw those Amazonians doing, and um, especially not uh, especially not the little girl in this movie.
0: Yeah, she she was killing it. Uh, so much so that they fired her stunt doubles and she did all of her own stunts.
2: Are you serious? Yeah. Wow.
0: She was doing a better job and it was more convincing so they are like, alright, screw it. I saw a great, there's a moment where she swings on this giant pendulum and I mm-hmm. saw behind the scenes that this this 12 year old girl strapped into this thing zooming around. It was nuts. Yeah,
1: I think they said that the only uh, one thing that wasn't CG was that like log that almost clipped her in the head. Mhm that makes sense. You don't want to put them in actual peril. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I don't
0: even think they put real pe- like a stunt person in there. But as you can tell, is an Amazonian trial uh, and a young Diana joined the fray at the last second to compete. And you know, she does a pretty great job. She gets out ahead, but she uh falls off the course and gets disqualified at the last minute. And we get to see a great moment between that that, um, that actor playing young Diana. Not only is she a great physical actor, but um, there's a really wonderful moment here between Robin Wright and a young Diana.
2: Everyone in as far as the Amazons go that you see up to this point, uh, they all are perfect Amazons. Um, Everybody portrays their character exactly how I mean, if you pulled that character out of the comic book, what you thought Wonder Woman was like as a kid out of the comic book, you'd be watching it on the screen right now.
1: Right, and I wanted to say that's where uh, Princess Buttercup says to uh, the the tiny Diana, she says, No true hero is born from lies, but I thought she should have looked at the camera and said, Cheetahs never win. (laughs) (laughs) Much more succinct. It
0: really gets to the point sooner. The last thing we see in uh, this wonderful Themyscira flashback is we've got a little uh, Chekhov's golden armor as uh, we see the famed uh, Amazon heroine uh, Astartes. Asteria. Asteria, yes. Excuse me. Yes, Asteria's. Asteria's golden armor. And I'm sure that won't make a reappearance later even one little bit.
2: Real quick. Um, did you guys watch anything past the credits? you mean the after credit scene i
1: know
0: where you I know where your head's at there sir, but we we'll, we will get to that. We will get to that for sure
2: all right, so there's definitely something to get to. Let's get there
1: uh-huh.
0: <laughs> There's a little cameo maybe later about a famed amazonian uh wink it. Wink it. <laughs> Uh, but it's the 80s baby flash forward and we are in the 80s it is 1984 which a lot of folks have said is like peak 80s 80-ness before we start drifting into the 90s but this the the 80s that we get a quick little montage of is the most tropey version there could be of the 80s we see like cocaine kind of gordon gecko types we've got uh muscle heads in an IROC z the clothes are on point all the hair is big their shoulder pads everywhere
2: as someone who lived in the 80s i looked at this and i was like holy crap this was the 80s it was oh my goodness holy cow welcome home I I wish, since I've been
1: doing, like, running counts of things that are occurring in these movies, I wish I had counted the popped collars. There are so many popped collars. (laughs) At one point in time, there's one guy who's wearing two polos with
2: both collars popped. Oh, I remember those guys. Oh, man. (laughs) Oh, you know those guys. (laughs) I do. I definitely do.
0: (laughs) Our first set piece takes place in the most 80s place of all, a giant mall.
1: I just wanted to say there's also a good sequence before the mall uh, where there's just peril at every corner, and Wonder Woman's just sneaky, brushing everything up in their dustpan, fixing everything. It's like reminiscent of, I can't remember which Superman movie it is, but there's an intro where he's just saving the day like one stuck cat at a time. There's like somebody falls over that railing and she get, you know, it's like back to back.
0: It's all very quickly done and it's hard, no one can quite see what's happened.
2: She's moving real super fast, so no one can see her, but everyone knows there's a mysterious woman again.
1: Right, which feeds into the fact that nobody knows that she exists by the time you have the Batman vs. Superman and all those other things.
0: We aren't in the mall for very long before uh, we have one of my favorite action set pieces, a mall heist. Haven't seen a, a good mall action set piece since Commando, maybe, but this, one, this, one, this one's pretty good.
2: Yeah, I I was going to say I probably wouldn't have called this a good heist cuz that <laughs> this went so wrong it was almost like it it was home alone kind of wrong. <laughs> but
1: my only note about the heist is that uh one of those robbers looks like Clint Eastwood with a wasting disease. Yes,
2: yes, yes he does. Yes he does. <laughs>
1: I was like, is that? No, it's not.
0: It's a poor man, it's a poor man's Eastwood, that's for sure. And Josh, I will just counter by saying this Any mall heist is a good mall heist. (laughs) Uh, So our robbers are robbing a jewelry store, but they're not robbing the jewelry from the front. Apparently, this jewelry store is a front for black market antiquities. Uh, And the robbers go into the back and take a bunch of stuff. And as they're leaving, they are (laughs) they split up. And for some reason, the one guy drops his gun and freaks out, and immediately turns this heist into a hostage crisis, uh, picking up a little girl and dangling her over a precipice. Yeah.
1: Um, so first of all, I want to say I don't know what his end game was—like, dangle this child until they let me go.
0: <laughs> How is that helping you? How is that
1: helping? Or yeah, I don't, <laughs> I don't see like a good escape plan there. But one thing I also noticed is that the mall floor is very slippery everybody's sliding all up. she's she's doing her tricks and she's sliding like on her skin on the mall floor and she pushes that the kid into that teddy bear the floor is so slippery
0: there's a lot of good slide stunts and that's one of wonder woman's specialties that's that's she does this kind of move where she uh, like from the from the movie version of wonder woman where she does this kind of like spin slide uh. on one knee um, but you are right. During the course of the battle, there's a lot of slippery floor hijinks. I don't know. Maybe they just got the place whack. But it, it is a pretty fun little action set piece.
1: Yeah, I was going to say the 80s were like the pride. The, the, the pride of the 80s is the mall. So maybe they're just taking their cleanup jobs very seriously. But that's right. a very slick surface. They should probably put some signs
2: up. <laughs> uh, when she throws that little girl, I thought that was hilarious. Yeah, that was funny.
0: That was just a really fun moment. She slides that little girl uh, who, who's in the path of the, the robbers, another little girl. And right after she does, she lands in the arms of a big old teddy bear. And Dinah throws her this wink. And I'm like, uh, I, I, at that point, I was like sold for the rest of the movie. That little wink straight down the lens of the camera. I'm like, OK, this woman, this that's why this woman is a movie star. She knows how to be on camera so well. And she's just so dang charming. Uh, from there on from there on in i was basically sold two minutes deep
2: yeah i mean she is wonder woman um there you can debate whether or not henry cavill makes a great superman you can debate who's the best batman all day long but gal gadot there is absolutely no way you can make an argument against her being a a good wonder woman not just a good wonder woman but basically like the epitome of wonder woman for this age
0: the one thing about this this the series uh well the, the the first movie and gal gadot's performance specifically is she gets the tone of playing wonder woman so well it's just ju- like basically jumping right off
2: the page indeed it is
1: Yeah, and that's a a lot of where, like, DC has gone wrong in the past, where they try to take their property so seriously, uh, then you can sort of, like, Iron Man for Marvel was more fun than anything else, and you could, like, sort of get some of the character development done in a fun movie without having to feel like everything is so dire. The problem was they had so much success with those Christian Bale Batman movies that they thought, okay, well, that has to be the way we do every superhero movie from now on. And then you have Man of Steel, who's just like blowing buildings up, <laughs> and it just like sort of doesn't meet this like the fun of the comics. And I think that Gal Gadot does a lot of like has a lot of that flair and charisma, like you said, that makes it fun to watch.
0: It seems sometimes where they focus is on the scale of the character and what they can do, and they're are these huge outside abilities. And sometimes, and what this movie especially gets right is they don't focus over much on the superhero. They're more concerned with the character and the rest is kind of you know icing on the cake similarly with like you said iron man the character they got the character so perfect that the circumstances matter less exactly Exactly.
2: I will give you that with Iron Man, they definitely nailed that character. That's Robert Downey Jr. playing Iron Man, you couldn't have cast a better person to play that character. But as far as as far as the types of movies that they represent, I mean, the direction that DC goes, taking the movie seriously, I don't think that that was necessarily a bad idea. I think that the DC comics themselves try to tend to be more gritty, more, more dire, more um, gray area. Whereas in Marvel, there's always a huge crisis and, oh, no, but don't worry. At the end of the day, it's always going to be okay. It's bright and shiny. It's Disney. And it always has been, even before Disney purchased it.
1: Yeah, I can agree with that. I mean, I don't I don't necessarily want everything to follow the same cookie-cutter approach that the Marvel Cinematic Universe does. But I do think that there has to be a little bit more levity in some of these. Because obviously, it's ridiculous some of the things she does in this movie. But if it can be, you know, you can give yourself up to the moment because it's, it's a fantastic story.
2: Right. And because they've represented that character so well, when you throw in those fantastical elements, you just buy it. Exactly.
0: This is a, a very personal movie. That's kind of where the story moves next. Um, we saw Diana acting as Wonder Woman, uh, and now we get to see her daily life um she leads a kind of lonely existence um she works at the Smithsonian and just kind of goes about her day and we we get to see a couple of shots where it's obvious that she's still very much pining for Steve Trevor ah
1: uh, i ruined the moment but reed said pining
2: oh uh- I didn't mean to, but. Oh, dang. Oh, that's awesome. (laughs) That's some comedy points. I kind of felt bad for Wonder Woman here.
0: I I did feel sorry for it, but then I was at the same time, I'm like, hey, but I mean, like, you're you're Diana Prince, man. Come on. (laughs) I mean, like, I'll give you it. I'll give you, but you're still Diana Prince.
1: Yeah, they capture that later. Even Chris Pine is like, I think you'll be okay.
2: <laughs> uh, that sounds a little like Cheetah's point of view that we'll find out here in a little bit.
0: That is basically her perspective. I think that's a great take on the character, and that's like a great place to put that take on the character as well. As um, speaking of Cheetah, the next introduction we see is Barbara Minerva, uh, Supreme Dorco, <laughs> uh, awaiting her glow up. Uh, they have a little meet cute with Diana, but sorry yeah go ahead a cheat cute (laughs) (laughs) yes it's a cheat cute but it's like so funny how how much effort they have to go to to make Kristen Wiig look like like a like an idiot like sometimes I I don't know sometimes this is like I guess easier than others the very first scene of her is just like kind of like doing a bit too much
1: yeah it's like it, it it seemed a lot like what they did with Electro in the Spider-Man yes, movie. Yeah,
0: that's a very, that's a very similar movie. take.
1: You're just like, oh, can you? You can't make him more cartoonishly dorky.
2: Keep the era in mind. I mean, even when you look dorky, I mean, everything was cutesy back then. I mean, she, to me, I mean, I I knew people that dress. I had a babysitter that dressed like that. <laughs> I mean. It, 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 it was realistic man i mean uh, I, okay
0: all right I, you know what that's a solid point this is the 80s style we're talking about so it's 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 height it's pre height for sure
2: man. um for sure
0: but yes yeah, at that little cheetah cute barbara spills all of her papers and diana's like stops by introduces herself and like helps her clean up um, but they actually have to get to work together uh, as the FBI brings in all of the artifacts stolen from the mall heist uh, for Barbara, a gemologist, uh, to analyze and try to tell them what what they are, these things that were stolen. Um, one of which is a seemingly worthless hunk of citrine. That is... Dun-dun-dun. It's your MacGuffin. It's a dream stone, baby.
2: Just as a side note, my wife is really big into collecting crystals and stuff. And um she laughed when they said that that was only worth $75. She said, you can never find citrine that looks like that, ever. <laughs> she said, that'd be $300 easy. <laughs> that's
1: a big old chunk. Yes, sir. Before they mentioned the monkey's paw later, I wrote down in my notes, uh cheetah's paw. Because that's all I do is try to find puns.
2: I can't tell you how much I
1: appreciate that.
2: It's
0: a, it's your blessing and your curse, Sam. <laughs> so yes, they they have. So as they're kind of admiring the stone, I can't remember exactly where this happens, but Wonder Woman holds a stone. And they're talking about a wishing stone, and she just gets a faraway look in her eye. And yeah, yeah, she does it. She does a magic wish.
2: Yeah, so they bring it about, and they uh, the guy they. they... The reason why Wonder Woman even thinks about doing it is somebody, this this random guy just walks up, grabs it, and says, "I wish I had a coffee," oh, and so yeah, the and then guy. he gets a coffee immediately. So she's like, you know, she just silently wishes for Steve Trevor to come back, and
0: uh, probably just as an instinctual response, you know, just like the idea came into her head.
2: Yeah. Um, but you know, feeling a little bit better, like a wouldn't it be nice?
0: Yes, yes. After that kind of little. After she comes to investigate the stone, her and uh, Barbara decide to go out for drinks. They hit it off. They have a pretty, uh, they have a
1: pretty great time. They look like they're having a blast. And afterwards, Barbara gives uh, her leftovers to a homeless man who is reading "Waiting for Godot," which is a play <laughs> on Gal Gadot's last name.
0: Yeah. That's funny. Yeah, it's like a, a nice little save the cat moment. We see like a humanizing min- moment of Minerva, you know, helping out this guy, and it, it's obviously like they know each other.
1: Save the cheetah. Save,
0: <laughs> save the cheetah moment. <laughs> we have to get you a pun jar. You put that money to charity. Every time you have an involuntary pun, <laughs> you have to you have to pay a dollar. You pay me. I'll pay, I'll, pay, I'll pay you a dollar for every involuntary pun. <laughs> so. Minerva talks to her buddy. She gives him her leftovers, which I thought was, you know, it's a very nice little scene. Um, But then she walks down past literally like the next garbage can and is assaulted by a drunk man on a bench. It's about to get very dangerous when all of a sudden Diana steps in doing her moving faster than you can see kind of thing and throws this drunken man about 100, 100 feet, 100 feet away. And says it's all just a matter of using their momentum against them as he's lying, groaning very far away.
2: And she just happens to appear out of nowhere.
0: Just happened to be passing by. Uh, but she tells Barbara to go home. Barbara does not. She goes back into work, picks up that the dream stone and wishes that she was more like Diana, which has some unintended consequences
2: definitely unforeseen. She she wishes she could be more like Diana, cool, sexy, smart, sophisticated. She makes a point to mention good in heels. Good in heels. <laughs>
0: Our final introduction, we've seen now one of Wonder Woman's uh, most popular nemesis, Cheetah, Barbara Minerva and her origin story. Now we get to see another with Maxwell Lord. He is a, in this universe, he is a TV charlatan selling uh, his company, which is called the Black Gold
1: Cooperative. And uh, played by the always brooding Pedro Pascal, Mm -hmm. who more recently is known for his uh, turn as the Mandalorian. And uh, it took me a long time to put the two together, but let me know if this is anything. Maxwell Lordian. Uh, (laughs) uh... (laughs) Oh! According to IMDB, he based his performance on Nicolas Cage, which I think is another way of saying lower the bar.
2: <laughs> well, I think that for somebody as arrogant as and as pompous as Maxwell Lord, okay, now I get that there's differences between Comic Book Can and Maxwell Lord and the Maxwell Lord that we're given here, and we'll talk about that later. But um the Personality as far as the personality goes, this is definitely it. Reed knows he's read uh comic books recently where somebody has given Maxwell Lord the minor, the most minor of annoyances, and he makes them relive their most horrible childhood traumas over and over and over again for no reason. I mean, th- this is he's that kind of pompous, arrogant, all about me, very vindictive kind of person, and I think not only did they get again the perfect person to play this, but uh. I've seen him in this role in a different way before he didn't just uh, he wasn't just in the Mandalorian but Pedro Pascal also was in Game of Thrones he was the uh, sand Viper the uh, unfortunately got crushed by the mountain but a uh, very 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 good actor there yeah he got his eyeballs popped
0: well all of those characters have a kind of that similar very uh, cocksure kind of energy so it all kind of works and especially I I'm with you, Sam. I didn't recognize him for a while. I was watching the movie and I had to look it up. But for some reason, I was like, I, wait, I know this guy? Like, I, do I trust this guy? He's got this kind of face and this energy, especially here in this performance, where you know he's a liar, but you still kind of want to trust him anyhow.
1: A lot of times I found myself rooting for him. Where I'm like, I hope he gets this right. <laughs> he, he needs something to go good for him
2: yesterday during my third watch of the movie i think i used the word lovable douchebag and my wife agreed with me well then. i so <laughs> well, well now
0: you say that with the nicholas cage that is a very it, that i can see that kind of energy this is like a kind of like a matchstick men kind of performance exactly here, where he's like a total screw up but you're For still sure. like oh mm-hmm. can you just oh you, you almost got it bro just get one thing right, bud. Just one, man. <laughs> or just be satisfied with one thing as, you know, Maxwell Lord will never be satisfied and, you know, that kind of plays out later as well.
2: You can see the Nick Cage in his violent outburst when he gets pissed off about his kid being there too. Ah,
0: uh, yes. That was
2: very Nicholas Cage.
0: Very chaotic energy,
2: for sure. Mhm.
0: As we find out later, he is kind of totally broke but no one really knows that because he is the guy from tv and he kind of uses that uh, notoriety to get into the museum uh, as he actually knows what that stone that was taken is and is trying to get his hands on it he goes there and kind of schmoozes barbara and uh, gets on her good side diana shows up she's not very convinced she can she can see that this guy is up to no good so the very next thing that uh, pops up is a fundraiser at the museum where Maxwell Lord is set to make a big donation. And at one point, Diana says that she doesn't come to these things often, and she shows up looking great, very cool dress. Uh, her wardrobe was actually inspired by Brooke Shields' look at this time, so that they're basing their outfits off of things that Brooke Shields actually wore. Um, I I don't know if this is one, but this, this dress is pretty interesting. It's got, it's like a long slit up the side, but it's a suit coat on top. Very cool. Very,
2: uh, Brooke Shields is famous for wearing something really super similar to this. And it was, it caused a big, huge, Ah, like, oh my God moment in the, in, in the press because it was so risque to wear out at the time.
0: See, look at that they're doing references i love it uh well it makes a pretty big fuss here and i can see why diana said earlier that she doesn't like to come to these things because the museum fundraiser crowd is a horny bunch of dudes
2: oh everybody every single guy she walks by is like hey baby what are you doing
0: not just the guys but they're gross it's gross yeah
2: everybody's gross yeah not just the guys but yeah i mean everybody's like you want to grab a pizza go back (laughs) to my house i mean
1: (laughs) yeah and they're blasting uh frankie goes to hollywood right welcome to the pleasure dome
2: (laughs) which is a little weird (laughs)
1: man that's a little risque for a for a smithsonian gala
2: right i was looking for the fishbowl
1: this hey this is a horny Mm -hmm. party apparently um more like smithsbonian Oh, hey. Oh, no. I gotta gotta mark
0: one down here. You can cut that. Uh, But (laughs) no, Jimmy, leave it in. Leave it in. Put it in four times. Just keep playing it. Yeah. That's the new intro song. (laughs) Oh. Diana's not the only one making a splash, though, uh, as Barbara gets her glow up in a very, uh, in a black dress and very high heels that the lady uh, says she might need to practice in, but obviously she nails it. She's got her confidence. She made her wish, and she's certainly feeling it.
2: Yeah, and I mean, they, they definitely did that whole uh, rags to riches, yeah. you know, uh, glam up type of thing go on there. She That's probably the prettiest I've ever seen her portrayed in a movie, which seems odd because she's a she's a pretty lady.
0: Yeah, playing this comedy role, she doesn't get, like, the
1: chance to, like, strut it out like this.
2: No, she doesn't.
1: From kitten to smitten.
2: <laughs> there you go.
1: Smith. I didn't write that one down, I promise. That's just off the cuff. <laughs>
0: well, that is certainly the look. And, you know, we weren't the only people smitten by our budding uh, cheetah. Maxwell Lord is also into it. But, unfortunately, uh, Barbara's into it as well. But Max is really in to get his hands on that dreamstone. stone. Uh, they quickly head on back to his office, and he does just that. While at the fundraiser, Diana gets an unexpected visitor to her, but obviously the rest of us saw this coming. Chris Pine, Steve Trevor is back
1: in quite
0: an unusual way. What did you guys think about his resurrection?
1: Yeah, and I, was, I thought it was really cool how they did it where he put a very 80s Casio watch in her hand just like he puts his watch in her hand in the first movie. Like I said, I didn't see the first movie, but I've seen enough of it to, to recognize that significance there. Uh, then they have a spinning make-out session.
2: <laughs> Every single dialogue exchange that they have here uh, when he first walks into the room um, in the way that he does is a significant line that they had in the previous movie. And uh, the fact that she instantly... I mean, uh, when Diana gets mad, she gets m- mad in the most polite way possible. Um, Always charming. When she was... Always charming. So when she was there, kindly, you know, prompting Maxwell Lord to move along with his conversation and then to -hmm. leave the Smithsonian, she was basically saying (laughs) GTFO, you know, (laughs) that's that's Diana. Um, It was the same way here, and she reacted appropriately. I love this scene. I thought it was exactly what Wonder Woman would have done. Don't you dare say those words. Now, I know that people will probably catch Patty Jenkins may catch some hell for using um, that kind of dialogue when Justice League, or not Justice League, excuse me, Batman versus Superman cut hell for Martha, why did you use that name? You know, it was kind of the same kind of an exchange here, but I think it really works. And um the way that the way that he convinced her that it was him, it just dude, I, I, I was sucked right into it.
0: Yeah. Well, Steve Trevor has been resurrected, but he has been transplanted in the body of someone alive in the 80s. So it doesn't look like him, but immediately after he puts the watch in their hand they recognize you know she recognizes him for who he is and he transforms um in her eyes to chris pine
1: right and she even says all i see is you so it's all the director sees too
0: and honestly i'm so i'm so glad they did that i'm so glad to have chris pine back in this because the chemistry between these two is like just so great it when they just got together it put a big smile on my face and i'm not like a sentimental kind of guy but i was just like just pleased i was just happy to see them happy
2: obviously we know what they meant by uh the way that they brought him back we won't we definitely will not get him in the next movie
1: right i think it's very smart i don't know if that's true i mean he's he was somewhere so (laughs) if he was somewhere to be pulled back into a body then he's somewhere they could get him again. I'm sure of that if they really want to, I think to. they'll.
0: I bet you they would save him for the next big like uh, team up movie or something like that. So like the like Justice League two or something like that. He'll have like right, a little flashback be. or something. But yeah, I think I think his character. This is this is kind of the end for old Steve. Um, but yeah, he gets probably. So it, yeah, they and, make them right. Of it. it
1: should be because if it, if it's not, it kind of takes away right the gravity of the of the letting go. But exactly. Um, yeah, but they throw a lot of uh, great '80s jokes in here, some futon jokes, uh, some spray cheese, mm-hmm. an exercise bike. They do a clothes change <laughs> montage. I think, and now yeah. you can correct me if I'm
2: wrong. I love that part where he picks up the exercise bike. He says, "I tried to take the bike, but I couldn't figure out how to get it going." I mean, and that's it's a one bit. of those stationary exercise bikes. <laughs> I know, but yeah. it was funny. Right, as, and then uh, he looks in worked. the
1: mirror and he sees he sees the original dude's body. I wasn't sure if that was like a quantum leap gag, but it looked like one.
0: <laughs> yeah, a little bit. Yeah. The 80s. A little bit. Up. Yeah, it did. I-, I thought they, for a second there, I thought they were going to go that like, maybe he was like a descendant or something like that. And he like swapped in the body because they kind of look alike. Um, But yeah, that, I think you're right actually with the quantum leap thing that, that makes it a lot of sense.
1: And you consider he doesn't leave until the timeline is set. Right.
0: Oh my goodness. There you go. It's quantum leap guys. It was Sam all along. It was Sam all along <laughs> in a different body. It was a triple quantum leap. He had to quantum leap he three was times. in the Dreamstone.
1: There you go. Yes, exactly. Whoa.
0: There we go. <laughs> Never performed before.
1: <laughs> Ziggy. Speaking
0: of the dream stone, Max Lord, with his purloined stone, makes his one wish. Everyone gets one. And he makes his to become
1: the dream stone itself. A- that's like a wish for more wishes. B, having only uh, read the original Monkey's Paw story and seeing a few Twilight Zones, I would think wishing to become the stone might be a bad idea. He's really lucky he didn't end up like a literal stone and then the credits rolled. <laughs> In the
0: what-if universe, that is certainly what happens. He just yeah. becomes a big old dreamstone or yep. the same dream stone. I-, I was worried about that when he <laughs> said that. And I was kind of... I actually, like, I'm wondering, was he, like, slowly becoming the stone again? I, maybe, he was, all of his organs, he was dying, for sure. As soon as he did that, it it is clear that this was not a super great idea.
2: No, and I think that that was another way of trying to stay true to the character, whereas where, okay, so Maxwell Lord's normal power is mind control, being able to telepathically Mm -hmm. control anybody's mind, do whatever he wants with them. But as a side effect, he always suffers physically. It'll start out with a nosebleed. It'll get way, way, way worse if if it has to. Um, you know, depending on how much he's pushing it. So I think that this was kind of a reflection on that.
0: That makes sense. I was wondering how they're gonna get to like him having mind powers, and this was kind of it. Now he is the dreamstone himself. He takes his power for a spin pretty early, acquiring. Uh, all this all this money So his, his gag is he, he has people wish for a thing And then As the cost for the thing He takes what is most valued To them in return
2: That was the premise from the Wish stone originally And now that he's the wish stone We find out that he gets to name The price People are no longer just mm-hmm. uh, limited to just One wish as long as They're willing to pay an additional price he doesn't know that yeah. at first. He eventually figures that out. But
0: well, it seems it seems like he has a pretty good. He did his research on the stone and understood kind of the semantics of the argument, mm-hmm. but maybe not the overarching cost. I, mean, I, I feel like the huckster he is. He tried, He believes that he could outpace
2: fate. He even says as much later on when he goes. um I'll I'll rebuild my health one organ at a time if need be.
1: Yeah, and I thought that was kind of cool because in the comics, isn't his uh, sort of metahuman power, his ability to, uh, his like power of suggestion. So it's kind of like a cool way to do that because it's, you know, you can you can easily suggest like, don't you wish that, you know, you can split traffic? Don't you wish you could do all these things? And it's the power of suggestion that makes these people make these wishes unknowingly.
2: Cinematically speaking, mind control is really, really hard to pull off and not come out looking like a very bad B-movie. Right. So to me, exactly. So uh, nobody else saw that, but he was making the the traditional two fingers to the side of the head bit. as hey, a, a visual bit. <laughs> you know, um, so without, without reverting to that, without having to, you know, try and figure out a, a neat way to make that look remotely believable. I think trading his powers out for this whole wish stone dreamstone deal was a very acceptable substitution.
1: I agree.
0: It works very well and uh, it works very well for Max just to you know start off with. it seems to be going well. but Diana and Steve do some more digging into this stone. They find out what maybe Max doesn't know is that the stone was imbued by the power of a god. And in this case, we find out eventually that is the god of lies. So there's always a cost, and it's nothing good can come from lies is basically the whole point
1: thematically of this. Or, Or cheetahs never win. (laughs) (laughs)
2: <laughs> <laughs> thematically it's the whole point of wonder woman um especially being driven home issue after issue lately in the comic books but overall it you know with the character it's always been truth versus lies and they really really built on that throughout this entire movie it's the premise of the entire movie it's the premise of many issues in the comics it's the premise of the character and and it was done done perfectly
0: to see here uh well speaking of things that are on point for the character um lord jets off to cairo and steve and diana need to follow and when they do that they um well it seems like they steal a jet
2: yeah we see them go to the smithsonian and diana just waves her badge because she's an employee oh my god That's she goes and movie. they steal they steal a historic fire jet at this is the Smithsonian that just so happens to have a full tank of gas, because where are they going to refuel while they fly it, it all the work. freaking way to Cairo? You know, I mean, it, dude, I'm pretty sure that they would need an aircraft carrier to make it to Cairo. But in any case, details, shmeetails um that's that's what happens uh Diana is uh, Steve says he wants to fly a plane that goes fast so she doesn't reason with them they don't fly coach they don't even fly first class and let them experience that they they steal a jet so boy they steal um, a jet something that doesn't get mentioned here throughout the movie but is most certainly a circumstance is that Diana loses her job <laughs> <laughs>
1: maybe cuz i'm sort of thinking like uh, Max Lord gets away at the end, kind of, you know, scot free. I'm thinking, like, a lot, of, a lot of this stuff. Maybe it just kind of goes back to the way it was. Because if it doesn't, then there's a whole lot. <laughs>
2: yeah. Oh, so that that's something. That, okay, we can we can talk about that at yeah, we'll talk about that at the end. But that's definitely a possibility. I see where you're going there, Sam.
0: But here's the thing. Here's the thing, guys. We don't know that they know that it's her that stole the jet because she uses. The power that Zeus hid Themyscira with to hide the jet, making an invisible jet, which led to one of my biggest laughs that I was laughing so hard. uh, My partner had to come downstairs and check on me because she thought I was having a heart attack because I was laughing at (laughs) Steve Trevor's line. Well, shit, Diana.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my God. That was hilarious. I laughed all three times. That was very funny.
1: So um, he also says, the way I fly, they will never find us, which is also true for a lot of pilots who crash over the ocean. <laughs>
2: <laughs> it's very, very true.
1: But actually, I actually have a real question about this. Yeah. Wouldn't radar still work on the invisible jet? It's magic. I don't want to question magic here. baby. magic, baby. Well, but it's well, like electromagnetic it, pulse. Like, it, it definitely to would. To make it... The pulse go through No, because the it. only okay.
2: thing that turning something invisible does is bend light around it. It doesn't bend sound around it. Right. So, or
0: or, or right. if, it's bend, if it's using the power of Hemus Gira to bend the sound waves around the plane. So if it, if the effect works on light,
1: like visible light.
2: It would still soft ping, though. It would still soft ping.
1: Yeah. Magic stuff. I, I would say I, I'm giving it away to magic. I'm waving my hand.
2: <laughs> we did see that it does reflect the light because it's when magic. they fly through oh, the fireworks, so nice. which was a very okay. cool moment.
1: That seemed like a bad idea, though.
2: It, it does. It does bounce. You know, we do see the light reflecting off of the off of the jet. But looks cool as hell. Would Would the radar have picked it up? Yes, but magic.
1: I don't want to be the guy who makes everything not fun. But also, why doesn't Steve know what fireworks are? <laughs> well. She, he's like, what's that? And she said, don't worry, that's fireworks. No, fireworks, the first firework display was in 1777.
0: I would say, here's what I would say, Sam, in response to that. He did fight in World War One, so I'm sure he knows about explosives and stuff. I think that if you saw a modern, a, a person from, you know, the early... Uh, 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 20th century, saw a modern fireworks display, especially in D.C., it would probably be like, what the
1: fuck is that? And then you're like, oh, it's just fireworks. Maybe. Yeah, it was It was obviously, it's a little more intense than what you'd have in 1917 or whatever, but when I said 1777, I just mean the first American fireworks display on the 4th of July. I mean, they've existed since centuries before that. I'll suspend a little disbelief hey, for that.
0: He also didn't know what a trash can was, baby. Yeah. <laughs> The tra- the t- the trash can gag was pretty good. I enjoyed
1: Right, it. yeah. I don't know. Maybe he he grew up in a small town. Maybe they didn't have firework displays on the 4th of July. Maybe. I don't know. But anyway, yeah, we didn't talk about any of that stuff any of that before they find the plane where they do like the the try-on sequence and he's just trying on different clothes. His energy is so good in this. He he ends up wearing the same clothes he was wearing before except at the very end he ends up with the fanny pack and a Nike sponsorship. Oh yeah. he's just honestly
0: chris pine and this is having a blast and like they're just having a good time it's just like it's literally just fun to watch them
1: he's basically elf at this point because he's having he had his little escalator scene Mm -hmm. he's buddy the elf yeah i half expected him to start eating gum off of railings (laughs)
0: oh dude that would have been great well also so here's here's my thing what i kind of went with it as well is that okay he's he's been dead and the 80s is pretty magic like that that time span, because like he could have, you know, like say so he could have grown up on Kansas and never heard it on radio or something. Like I mean, like that's this is all possibility.
2: It's definitely more way loud and 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 neon and probably a little risque and pornographic to somebody that you know his age
0: not to mention not to mention the fact that he's been dead for 70 years and he's aware of the fact that he was dead so like he's got sensations again so i like to write a little bit off of that that he's just having a great time also his girlfriend is diana prince so like okay everything's great your whole life is great buddy
1: speaking of pornographic though josh Uh Speaking Mm -hmm. of pornographic, he says about flying uh, that you just have to know how to ride it, how to catch it, how to join with it, like anything, really. (laughs) I can think of ten things off the top of my head that 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 doesn't make sense for. (laughs) Like anything, Steve. (laughs) It's mostly a very sexual thing, you see. I think
2: he was mostly trying to relate that to a feeling, but yeah, I could... I can, I can, <laughs> I can see where you got that from.
1: How do you use a microwave, Steve? You just have to learn how to ride it, catch <laughs> it and join with it.
2: You know, like anything, really.
1: Well, they needed that for later.
2: <laughs> like anything, they
0: needed that for later.
2: Indeed, they did. Yes.
0: Well, getting back to the story, we're going. Uh, um, we Minerva. We see a quick little turn. So we have a nice Fourth of July scene with. You know, Steve and Diana reunited. Barbara has a a reunion of her own where she comes across. She's just kind of now realizing the full extent of her powers and how strong she is. And she runs into the man who assaulted her earlier in the film. And this is where she kind of takes a heel turn, um, beating this guy pretty unmerciless until she's actually interrupted and stopped by the man she helped earlier. Um, Now, whether or not he's dead or not is unclear, but I think that maybe she, he, that guy saved his life from uh, a pretty savage beating for sure.
1: And she reveals her strength here and also her own Nike sponsorship.
0: (laughs) There's a lot of, they're flashing their shoes.
2: Again, it was the eighties. It was the age, you know, the first age of consumerism. And I mean, it just, it embraced that so crazy. Hey, I mean,
1: 1984 very popular year for Nikes. It really was, but product placement, product placement. And I mean,
2: they they overdid it, man. But they did it for a reason.
1: They
0: shot this thing in IMAX. Somebody's got
1: to pay
2: for
0: that big old film. <laughs> <laughs> Hell <laughs> yeah. True. Well, we get it. We get a very cool use of that um, IMAX uh, in a in a, our next action set piece. Steve and Wonder Woman catch up to. Lord in a convoy of uh, vehicles fleeing after he tricks a Saudi prince out of his security detail. And we find that Diana is being weakened uh, as she's attacked. She she receives a bullet wound and it causes her to bleed, which was a surprise
1: to all parties involved.
2: As it would be. (laughs) Yeah,
1: there's a lot of neat effects in this scene. She catches a 50 cal bullet with her lasso. Oh, that was dope. She skitches on a metal plate. Now, if she was feeling kind of weak, I feel like that would probably burn really bad on her back. But the alternative is that every surface was very slippery in the 80s, and there wasn't as much friction as I thought.
2: Hey, well, okay. Bon Jovi was huge, man. Slippery when wet, bro. Um, well, what well, I'm yeah. thinking... But though, it wasn't wet. Ultimately, I know it wasn't wet. I was just making an 80s joke. We're on a theme.
0: <laughs> We're on a theme, sir. I theme. know.
2: <laughs> <laughs> We're making
0: comedy here. We're making comedy.
2: <laughs> on the second in, I sat and I asked myself, okay, so are these things that happen immediately, the wishes, are they granted it's and you get everything every part of it all at the same time or is it something that like boom it starts out and then gradually the wish increases yeah it seems like she's weakening exactly so it seems like her 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 wish is you know like as as steve becomes more permanent her powers become less present mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, I I would say, you know, wishes are always very narratively, always have a narrative flourish. Right. So especially a god of lives would have a little, he
1: would have a little sense of flair there that I (laughs) I don't mind at all. And they get to the point where she's like, she's grabbing on with her lasso and she slides off too. So that's like another thing. She's not strong enough Mm. seemingly to hold herself up and those two children who are very clearly dolls. Yeah. Which is good because she rolls on top of them on the ground (laughs) <laughs> it looked like that would have hurt really bad
0: better than getting hit by a truck, but then well- not great
2: <laughs> right by, by far, but yeah, um, I feel like uh now i did I watched it um I did watch it three three times now, the first and second time, they are incredibly clearly a doll, um like painfully, so like it just they, it stood out to me so crazy. Um, and then it felt like the third time that I watched it Which was the second day That it was out It seemed like they cleared that up a little bit Now the first couple of times that I watched it I saw some other post-production issues too Where there was some over color saturation um, And you picked it up a lot In the gr- in the black hair You saw a lot of green colors But by the third time I watched it All of that stuff was gone It's like they caught it And, and just silently That's replaced
1: cool. it That's very interesting If true, very, very cool, and good that they've done that so quick.
2: Without anybody catching it and blowing it up on the internet, like I just did, um, you know – like the uh, Starbucks cup for games of throne. <laughs>
0: well, if, if you're out there and you saw that, let us know, hit us up and, and let us know if you saw any kind of errors like that. I saw a little bit of oversaturation, kind of like a little bit of that green glow, um, but yep. it wasn't overly bad. So maybe I caught one of the middle ones. I, I
2: it wasn't no, super it, noticeable. It, it went, it, it, I think it only lasted for about 15 minutes, like a 15 minute stretch of the film and it was like oversaturated, but um, you know, total. But uh, and then I went back. The third time I watched it, it was completely gone, and I was looking for it because I wanted to complain. But they they caught it, they fixed it. You know, these are this is something people are paying for. So I'm you know I'm I'm glad that they're on top of that. It's not second rate product. They released they they made a mistake and fixed it. That's good for them.
1: Yeah, I agree.
0: Lord gets away uh, as Diana is weakened, and so Steve and Diana actually reach out to Minerva to have her help them. You know, while they're chasing him to do a little research, and she turns up some information which leads them to a source that kind of explains what this dreamstone was and who the god was that powered it. So they kind of learn a little bit more of the rules and the mythos, and they find out that the one way to cancel a wish is to either destroy the dreamstone, which is impossible because it is now Lord. Or without you know so they'd have to kill lord or you can renounce your wish and your wish reverses
2: yep and it's been made abundantly clear that wonder woman if at all possible will not kill and again if at all possible because there's a there there is a time where she throws a guy off of a building that's really really tall but <laughs> um she's she's she holds firm to her beliefs every single time and ultimately she believes in the power of the truth and that's what she relies on more than anything else here
0: well lord is granting wishes left and right and he's starting to kind of come apart at the seams like you said earlier with the more use of his power his eyes are getting weird he's real real crazy sweaty um but he he meets with the president and grants his wish of more nukes and nuclear war in exchange for all the president's influence and access to a satellite that can use particle beams to reach out and interact with everyone on the planet at once so that Lord can grant everyone's wishes and become uber-powerful.
1: This scene was really creeping me out how horny he was for wishes. (laughs) (laughs) I miss the scene in Aladdin where the genie's like, Please, Aladdin, give me another wish. Please. Oh, you gotta... Oh, and the, and then give I, me
0: a wish. Come on. And then I'd say...
1: Uh, give me, give me, give me, give me. <laughs> get you someone who looks at you the way Max Lord looks at the Atmospheric Scatter Program.
2: <laughs> <laughs> right? <laughs> there was a certain desire there.
0: Oh, he's in love. He's smitten. Ew. Maxwell, Lord. Well, on his way out of the White House, Diana and Steve make an appearance uh, and try to stop him. So there's a cool White House fight with this uh, Secret Service, Diana and Steve, and they they make a point. So, you know, you can't kill anyone. These are just, like, guys. So Steve fights with a tray, (laughs) Diana, a Wonder Woman with her lasso, and just as they're about to grab him, Barbara shows up in a fucking wicked cool jacket and whoops, a weakened Wonder Woman's
2: ass. Let me just say here that this entire, this I think that this fight, um, other than the uh, final clash between Cheetah and Wonder Woman, um, actually, I'm going to say that they're a tie. The final clash between Tita and Wonder Woman and this White House hallway fight are my two favorite action scenes in the entire movie. Absolutely thought that this was awesome.
1: What's not to like? They got rope tricks, Boomerang tricks, yep, slippery floors, it's real slippy. They got it all, they got everything here.
2: Really on top of their floor care in 1984.
1: They got a bulletproof platter
0: that was very strong. Hey, that's that's you know, <laughs> well, it's very soft, you know, so maybe I don't bullet resist, kind of like catch it. I don't know. It was cool though, <laughs> he, did it. he did some tricks. He's with Wonder Woman, uh, you know, we'll, we'll allow
2: it. I mean, he is a trained soldier, and, you know, I mean, comic book logic applies. There's a silver platter, and you're getting shot at with a 45 they They're only going to go through it if they get shot in the same place twice.
1: <laughs> they got that Stormtrooper logic where they aim for the armor.
2: Yep. He saw that Wonder Woman had something wrong with her, and, you know, he stepped up and stepped in. Yeah. He tried to give, you know, give her hand. Normally... I probably would have been like hanging back and letting Wonder Woman take care of it, you know.
1: <laughs> well, you have to consider, Josh, that he's not giving up his body; he's giving up someone else's body. Yeah, he's got nothing to lose here. That's true. This is some other Joker. That makes it a lot less heroic.
2: <laughs> so he, okay, so he he jumps in to help, but is it selfless? Maybe not.
0: My dude just want to get into fist fight. He looks like he's having a blast.
2: That said, earlier in the movie, while they are looking around Dude's apartment, they see nothing but pictures of himself. There's no family members, there's no nothing, there's no proof of anything ever, anywhere, so... So he's worthless. <laughs> so he's, you know, well... Uh, ooh, I just... backed into a corner of that one, didn't I? He's, he's expendable. <laughs> expendable.
1: We can wish me into another body after this one there dies. There you go. That there was... <laughs>
2: you
1: go. <laughs> well, the wishes are, are getting
0: out of control because uh, apparently we're at zero hour... War is imminent. We're launching nukes. Everything is getting wild. They're powering up the missile silos. Lord apparently granting anyone any wish ever on his way to the satellite relay. And after the fight with Cheetah, Diana is, like, beat up. I mean, not to mention the fact that, like, she's totally wounded and totally hurt. She's probably never really had to deal with the, like, concept of being injured to this point, so it's kind of a double whammy. To your point about using this other guy's body, he kind of says, hey, look, I had a good life. I had a great life with you. I got this extra little bonus, but you got to save the world, and makes her unwish him. Um, And she eventually relents and starts running down the street, and we get, like, probably my favorite sequence in the whole movie is she, as he steve is unwished away she heals and starts running faster and faster and faster and eventually uh leaps into the sky
2: now the this is basically the same trope unfortunately and it's probably why why it hits her even harder that that you know uh happened in the first movie steve had to make a sacrifice sacrifice his life for wonder woman to be able to save everybody it happened again so Wonder Woman constantly faced with that argument that she presented to Steve before when she didn't want to undo her wish. Uh, why can't I just have this one thing? You know, she lives her entire life to service to a people who would probably try to hold her down and and do experiments on her, to be honest with you, if they ever got her, their hands on her. And... and Government gonna government. Government gonna government, you know, <laughs> Area 52. Yeah, <laughs> but, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> that was a DC joke for anybody that didn't pick that up, but um, <laughs> but um, you know, I mean, she does. She lives a selfless life. She lives very, very, very limited. You know, she she she's very minimal life, and she's Stoic, yeah, she doesn't ask for much. So she's like, why can't I have this one thing? So yeah. it that you know, it's a big emotional job for her.
0: Yeah, it's it's interesting too, because you know of her her ability to help and her power is like the thing that she cherishes most. And then having to choose between like what is best for her and what's best for the world in that moment, you know, it kind of brings it all to a point. Um, And I think after that, you know, she, she has a kind of moment of closure. I think Steve helps her in that decision to be okay with that sacrifice that she's making because, you know, a lot of people don't even have, you know, one good time. And, you know, she got to like hang out with this guy twice now, you know?
2: Now, one thing I will say, as far as Wonder Woman goes, um, uh, I won't say that her greatest, uh, and this is where, this is like Wonder Woman's one personality flaw that she, um, whenever she visits the mascara she always seems to have to touch upon uh, but um, she is uh, very egotistical about being the best Amazonian warrior, and that you know that is because of her powers, and and the loss of that you know th- she loses being the best Amazonian power. How does she do that? She loses her powers, you know. So that's that's that that bit of ego is her her uh, what what she loses. I mean, she she wanted to be the absolute best, even as even as little as what I mean, how young was that little girl at the beginning of the movie? Seven, eight, nine years old. Exactly. You know, so she, that that's always been her thing. That's what was taken away from her.
0: And that was something that Cheetah got. I don't know if Cheetah got from her as well, but certainly represents the the other side of that argument, uh, because she fully commits to power at any cost. Whereas you know, Diana. Is you know, power for the sake of people. And, you know, Barbara Minerva, when she makes that final transition into Cheetah, makes the opposite choice, which is why they are such great enemies um, up against each other. Exactly. Exactly. But after Steve's sacrifice and learning the lessons that he taught her on their one flight to Cairo, she learns to ride the wind, like you said, Sam, and is able to
1: fly. She catches it. You ride it. You catch it. You become one with it, just like anything else. And then, and then she rides the lightning. Yes, yeah, she does
0: ride the lightning. And I don't even care. I thought it was cool as hell. Well, because I mean, hey, she got Zeus powers, right? Some, so yes. lightning's her shit.
1: Right? Yeah her 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 daddy's Zeus. You're not sure about that, but I think now you're pretty sure that Zeus is her dad.
2: Yeah, Zeus is her dad.
0: Yeah, she, she runs back home real quick, grabs that cool golden armor, and we're, we're ready for some final battles. Lord makes it to that satellite complex and jacks into the whole world, connecting with everyone, and they all start making wishes. And then Wonder Woman arrives using her new uh, ability of flight plus the golden armor to assault the complex and take everybody out with a pretty cool uh, signature Wonder Woman bracer smash, sending out a shockwave.
1: I would think right after you learn to fly, Mm -hmm. you wouldn't want to add in any unknowns like gigantic flightless wings (laughs) made of gold.
0: Change your dynamics right. a little bit. Well, maybe she when she was up there, she learned. She's like, okay, I wish I, I wish I had a little longer wingspan. Who knows the ways of Amazonian flight?
2: Yeah, it was like a stabilizer for her. Sure. Yeah. <laughs>
0: well, Lords Beeman uh, to everyone, and uh, oh yes, the cheetah fight. Yes. So she, um, Wonder Woman arrives, and Cheetah now fully transformed into Cheetah and into a feline apex predator form they duke it out in a pretty awesome uh, i thought action sequence it was a little bit slow at first when cheetah was tearing up the wings but uh, once they really got into the meat of it we see a lot of throwbacks to different lasso tricks learned before and cheetah uh doing some cool jumps I-, I was a big fan of this
2: i was a big fan as well and it really goes to show how powerful they were trying to represent cheetah because that armor as is explained earlier in the movie. Is a, is one suit of armor where all of the previous Amazonians donated their armor to make the strongest armor possible for one of their warriors to fight on against the rest of mankind, and and she won. Yeah. Um. So this is a war, it, that armor survived that. Yet Cheetah is sitting there ripping it to shreds. You can see just her nails digging into it she's flinging pieces across of it she's she's making quick work of it compared to what that armor has been through before by far so it it really sets up how powerful um cheetah is at this moment and i think that the the action sequences were um dude uh i know that they were cg but god damn did they look real man
1: right and whenever goldar wears that armor he he, <laughs> he takes on the White Ranger, who everybody knows is the best ranger. It's the best ranger. Uh, so, you know, that that sort of lends itself to the strength of the armor. Also, uh, they do a lot of, like, swinging around on electrical wires. And I hate to be fun police, but I'm pretty sure that Cheetah gra- grounded herself, like, three, four times before she hit the water.
0: I, I kept thinking that was going to be a thing. Aha. Uh-huh. Okay. Oh, here we go. But. Here we go.
2: But. She she has started to siphon the powers from Wonder Woman, right? Mm. And then she changed her wish to be the apex predator. So, I think she was starting to lose her relationship with lightning. Right, but I think she should have been electrocuted before that.
1: <laughs> I would have thought whenever she hit that stone wall while she was holding the wire, but you know,
0: it's very insulated maybe.
1: Maybe it could be. Again, I, I I'm not a scientist. I don't know.
0: Yeah, well, it doesn't matter until it does, and then that is how a cheat is defeated, as she is electrocuted, but not Wonder Woman in the water. Ah, eh, okay, whatever.
1: De-cheated. Electra-cheated? No. <laughs> you said defeated, so I said de-cheated. De-cheated.
0: Okay, okay. All right. Well, all right. I don't know. I'll give you half a point for that one. That'll be 50 cents. Uh <laughs> <laughs> But at this point, it's almost too late. Lord is fully powered up, and he has now stepped into the particle beam itself, so he's become physically, want- I don't know exactly, but he's in the beam, and we know that's big and important, uh, and he, de- he kind of knocks Wonder Woman down, but it, when, while he's doing a good old-fashioned villain monologue, she gets the lasso around his leg, and she starts broadcasting the truth to everyone in the whole world that they can renounce their wish and make everything go back to the way it was before. And it works.
1: Did you guys notice how slippery the floors were? <laughs> she, couldn't, she couldn't maintain her footing.
2: I was also going to say, he he appears standing in the middle of that particle uh-huh. beam. Um, because they made a big deal of 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 him touching people in order to right. grant them wishes before. but when he's in that scene where he gets the boner for the satellite mm-hmm. array, and they're like the particles touch exactly. the TV. so, so they made a big deal about the setup for that. That's that's why he was getting to stand in a flashlight.
1: If anyone's if there's gonna be any big nerd problem with, with this movie, it's gotta be that the particles are literally touching people. <laughs>
0: well it's not a continuous particle, It's what I kept thinking. Like, basically, here's my thing is that when they were going through the explanation, they they have like kind of like a little throwaway moment in there where they're talking about how the particles will be touching and Lord goes, Touching, you say? <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, that's when he starts getting really riled up. And they're like, yeah, it's like
0: basically touching. He's like, oh, so wait, it's technically, technically touching. Like, well, yeah, not really. I mean, it's like a particle. It's a repeating particle sent from a satellite. He's like, yes, but technically touching. Technically
1: touching. <laughs> it's just all semantics. He, he doesn't care as long as it's technically. He's like, okay, that's good enough for me, maybe I need to get there. Well, you understand the stone is run by all this magic. So technically touching is touching.
2: On a theoretical quantum level, it'll be just like I'm touching these people, right? Right. <laughs>
0: it's like that. Just it's like okay. Well, I mean, it's good enough for
1: me. Okay. Let's let's go there. But it works. The lasso works. I have a question. Now it doesn't really matter that much. But does whenever Wonder Woman uses Max Lord as a tin can phone, do they hear Max Lord's voice or do they hear Wonder
2: Woman's voice? Uh, it's a it's another quantum connection.
0: Well, we see the screen go all, all. It goes all gold. Mm-hmm. So I think it's just, yeah, I think it's her because she kind of gives a little monologue. So I, I'm, right? I'm guessing that it's you know channeling through and reaching everyone on the planet.
2: Reaching that same quantum logic. She's touching the lasso of truth. The the lasso of truth is touching Maxwell Lord. Maxwell Lord is touching the particle beam. They make the lasso of truth
1: do some wild stuff in this movie. Uh,
2: Well, yeah. So basically, the lasso of truth is just whatever it needs to be at the time. Powered by truth. Touching (laughs) me. Touching (laughs)
1: truth.
0: Bom bum, bum.
1: Touching truth. I gotta give points to Josh. <laughs> Here we
0: go. Ding ding ding! Zing of the day.
1: <laughs> Very good. But also, you said um, that everybody rolls their wishes back, and that does that posit that humans are basically good and would all give up their wishes.
2: And well, we don't know that everybody gave up their wish.
1: They should cut to a scene where there's, like, a teenager mm-hmm. with a gapless arcade cabinet, <laughs> and his parents are dead in the kitchen.
2: In the <laughs> <laughs> we can we can talk about that. I guess we're done with the movie. But in the scenes where uh, everybody is recanting their wish, you just see Cheetah sitting there looking all pissed off and touching her head. But you never see her recant her wish. So, at the very least, I'm going to say cheetah did
1: well you do see you see a human right but hang on because you see max lord yeah she... recanted his wish which would have been the wish that gave her all of her extra cheetah oh yeah powers, you're right her you're apex right. predator so that, she's yes. back to maybe if so she didn't give maybe up her not, wish she's back to at least where maybe. she was before that master um,
2: vampire logic master vampire logic if you ki- if you kill the master vampire all this all the fledglings gotta die right. yep you're right
0: Guys, this is it. That's basically Wonder Woman. Uh, we're going to cut to a quick break, but we'll be right back. We're going to break down these comics, see how it's different from the the comic to the movie. We're going to get into the box office. We're going to talk all about it. So stick around. Well, welcome back, and thanks for sticking around. Hopefully you stuck around for a few seconds into the end of the credits of Wonder Woman so you could see Uh, a great little tag featuring a wonderful cameo and little teaser moment at the end.
2: We find out that the ancient Amazon warrior, the one that originally wore that golden armor, the one the golden armor was made for, is none other than one Linda Carter. (laughs) She who played the Wonder Woman in the original uh, TV show. Yeah. And it made me wonder why she was such a huge part of the promotion of this movie. Um, Even when DC did their own little virtual digital Comic-Con, she was heavily, heavily featured in every aspect of the promotion of this movie. And um, now I'm not saying that that directly means that she's going to be tied to a third movie, which is confirmed, by the hey, way. Hey, hey. Uh, Wonder Woman 3 definitely is happening. That, that news was released, I believe, this morning. Um, but that doesn't necessarily mean that Linda Carter is going to be playing a superhero in Wonder Woman 3. But she does have her part as a part of the established cinematic Wonder Woman universe. And I think that that is pretty cool.
0: Yeah, I, I I was great to see her. I did a cheer. Um they, they slow played it really nice where I thought this was gonna be a Wonder Woman scene and we were gonna get another character. And when they pull when, you know, they got the reveal there, uh that did make me wanna you know, shout a little bit. Uh I'm excited to see if they if they do get into that a little bit.
2: Sam, what was her name again? Asteria. Asteria,
0: yes, uh, Asteria. I'm hoping that she plays a larger part in movies to come, and I think that would be really great and get a lot of fans excited.
2: That's a pretty name. I bet you there's going to be a bunch of there's going to be a bunch of babies named Asteria pretty soon. That's my pop. That's my pop culture prediction.
1: It sounds too close to Listeria, which is like a <laughs> Listeria, which is like a disease you get from eating
2: uh, like bad lunch meat. Uh, dude. Um, people people name their kids Apple and those go rotten all the time. So I'm not surprised by anything anymore. <laughs> yeah, well
0: Asteria in the comics, uh moving in to kind of get the draw those comic connections between the movie and the comics itself. Asteria is apparently a character from Earth one uh uh, 1098, 1098. uh she could fly and uh she's in a couple of she had like one appearance. Yeah. Uh, oh, Elseworlds finest. She, uh, the character named Mysteria. Now, I don't think this is the same one. It doesn't look like a uh, an Amazonian by any means. So maybe they're just creating a character out of you know nothing. But um, as far I'm as assuming so, yeah. I, I'm I'm interested to see where they go with it. Um, and uh, I'm interested to talk about how this. <laughs> Did I do one of these already? I'm interested to talk about how this movie. Uh, Relates to the comics and the source material in a segment we like to call the comic convergence. So, Josh, uh, I'll we'll start with you. Uh, How did you feel that they nailed the tone, the tone of Wonder Woman? Uh, You know, the comics and the the overall tone of the character in this film
2: um as far as uh as far as nailing the tone for the character uh they couldn't have picked a better person to portray her um there were when she was originally cast for the for the first movie there were people who complained about her size um i don't see that as being an issue here whatsoever i don't have a problem with her size she's never seemed diminutive to me at all uh she is the perfect wonder woman and they write her character in such a way that it it feels like the character that I've always read. And it's they they've done a great job of taking what the, you know, the source material has given us for years and years and years and putting it on the screen. They took their time with it and I'll be damned if they didn't do a really good job, man, as far as Wonder Woman goes. Now, this movie it took some liberties. We we've touched upon them before. Um maxwell lord is not the same you know his power is not the same uh yeah um he doesn't have a child or excuse me in the very most recent comics he does have a daughter that we just found out about um but that's very very recent he doesn't have a son at all um yes um uh, the way that we got the invisible jet is different traditionally than comic books. Uh, Maxwell Lord's powers are different traditionally than comic books. but the way that they did them was still respectful. It wasn't it wasn't because comic books, as far as an explanation goes, it was it, it fit really well and it worked really good into the movie.
0: Sam, how do you think some of those uh, things transitioned, like, you know, the lasso and the tiara and, you know, how, how some of those powers
1: uh, and origin stories got started? Uh, see, I'm not too big on the uh, the actual Wonder Woman comics. I never really read too many of them. Not to say I'm not big on them. I just haven't been directed in that uh, that way. But um, having watched the Justice League or Super Friends when I was a little kid and right. uh, the the Linda Carter Wonder Woman would be on TV all the time. I never uh, thought that the the lasso of truth was used to have visions. I think they might have done that in another one of the more recent movies too, though. Uh, but it seems like extremely powerful. It can catch fifty caliber bullets. It can do all these things. I I don't know if there's basis for that in the comic, but it's like hyper fantastic as. as
2: Essentially, the power of the of the lasso of truth or the the the, uh, golden perfect, as it's also called, is that um, it does whatever you need it to. Mm. Uh, And we've we have seen it do everything from save people by knocking them out of the way to resetting the entire multiverse so I mean, yeah, it does whatever it needs to. It's it's the golden perfect.
0: Uh, more of a a kind of instrument of the wielder's will, you know. Oh, you know, with stipulations, you know, the of the, embodying that ideal of truth.
2: Exactly, it's the Thalmescarin Truth Swiss Army Knife.
1: <laughs> right, and a few things that I actually have read uh, that that have Cheetah in it as well. Like her main goal is to get hold of that lasso. So it seemed odd whenever I saw that she did have hold of the lasso, and she basically just threw it aside. I don't know if she I don't know if there is some kind of like Thor's hammer that you can't wield it if you're not pure of heart or something like that, but I definitely would have hung onto that if I was cheetah. Well,
0: they showed all those Amazonians doing all kind of like lasso training in the earlier thing, so right,
1: so is it a wet noodle in Cheetah's hand because she doesn't know how to swing it? She has Wonder Woman's powers. So she should be able to grab it and keep it.
2: I think it I think it is more along the lines of a almost like a Thor's hammer where you must be worthy of being able to to do it. I mean that's the whole that's the whole gist of the 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 tool itself. The lasso mm-hmm. itself is is truth and honesty and goodness. So if you don't align with that it's it's going to be crap for you.
0: You have to face your own truth. Right. There you go. Or, or the, the the like holding the actual object, you know, is makes you truthful. So any kind of illusions or lies you'd be telling yourself would be revealed. So you know, I, I was I was hoping they might blow that in a little bit, but in you're right, she just kind of throws it aside. They don't make it a big part of that. But this is a pretty lengthy movie. Uh overall I think they you guys kinda um touched on this too, but they really nail the feel, that kind of hope and inspiration that everyone feels around Wonder Woman. I think they really uh they hit on the head here. Um so to to me this feels this feels very true to character and I think this is a great additioning addition to, you know, the wider wonder woman verse now speaking of that wider wonder woman universe um do you guys have any favorite arcs that you think people should check out if they're you know feeling particularly wonder (laughs) woman-y and want to really get into this character and dive into some more stories
2: all right, so if you're looking, if you're looking specifically just for a quick, a uh, specifically a Wonder Woman versus Cheetah story, Wonder Woman: The Lies by Greg, Greg Rucka and Liam Sharp is the best one to go to. There's there's been a few different Cheetahs. This one is Barbara Ann Minerva, and she's portrayed perfectly. So that's that's your go to on that one. If you want to go way back to the very beginning, and I suggest you don't um wonder woman the golden age omnibus volume ones and two um there is the original wonder woman comics the only problem with that is that as the creator moved on with the character he wanted to more portray her as the type of woman that would rule the world and for some reason the comics started getting into this weird odd combination of superheroism um on on the lowest tier uh with feminism and fetishism
0: early stuff is a little sticky, Um,
2: and it was there was a lot of bondage stuff go on (laughs) it it gets really cringy man (laughs) it gets really cringy it is put out you know um completely on unabridged so if you want to go check that out you can if you want really good Wonder Woman stories I would suggest Greg Rucka and Nicholas uh, Scott's Wonder Woman Year One that was awesome get volume ones and two it's worth it it's the premise of Wonder Woman's origin from everything uh, everything that's been put out in recently years is based off of this book so that's probably where you want to start out if you're interested in getting into Wonder Woman comics and then I would also check out wonder woman number one through 62 that's george perez he took over wonder woman wonder woman had that crazy no continuity comic book strip style going on for so many years she had no real place in the universe this is where wonder woman's origin was cemented and it it's where everything that the wonder woman that we know now Mm. this is where it came from all of it george perez is responsible for that past that um if you want to go into the new 52 age wonder woman 14 through 44 that was written by gail simone terry dodson and rachel dodson and um that was awesome Uh, We get uh, visits from Black Canary, the Green Lanterns, and Power Girl 2 in that one. The Bird's Prey was the title that Gail Simone wrote just before this one, and she received a lot of awards. This one is just as good. So those are the ones that I would suggest you start out with. Not in the the current comics. Don't go and buy the current comics. Start out with these before you get into the current comics.
0: Well, yeah, check out our reviews on the site first and see if it's something you'd be interested in. sound advice because it may not be
1: <laughs> one thing that i sort of thought was a missed opportunity where you could delve into more of the comic mythos is what gives cheetah her powers barbara minerva her powers in the comics Ooh. that version of cheetah and that's that plant god Erskirtaga. and since she mentions in the movie yes. in the very beginning that she it, she dabbles in cryptozoology That I thought that maybe you'd get a little stinger at the end where she's doing some research and finds her way to get powers back had she lost them at the end of the movie. In
2: one of the versions of Cheetah, it's actually some kind of um, right? uh, Like that's that's the origin story I I know of statue that gives her the powers. So I mean, there's been a like 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 I mentioned that yeah. So there's been a few different origins for it. So right, and it
1: seems like a slam dunk to say okay she's she's pissed off, she's lost all her power and whatnot, and she's doing the research to find the next best thing. And she, you know, comes across this totem.
2: So, this is where I think the, I this is where I think the, like, the decision-making went. They were like, they wanted Cheetah in the movie, right? So, they were like, well, which one could we make good? And they were like, well, the totem statue sounds the most believable. And they're like, yeah, but every C-list movie's already done that crap. But what if we make that where Maxwell Lord gets his powers too? Boom, we got a story. You know, I mean, it, it's pretty convenient, but I think it works. It's on MacGuffin.
0: <laughs> well, I think I Sam to t- to your point. If what you're saying is now now that maybe she's lost her powers in in you know Wonder Woman three, we could get a, or or you know farther down the line, Cheetah. You know, or Minerva goes and tries to get those powers from another source. And, you know, with her cryptozoology background, that could be a cool, fun way to get her power back up again. Like I said, for like maybe Justice League 2 or like a Legion of Doom or something like that. That, That would be something I would love to see.
2: She would be like 60, 65 years old at this point.
1: Well, say she found the totem not too long after this movie.
2: Oh, you know what? Okay. All right. All right. Okay. I'll give you that um because no i the, the one that found the totem she lived down there for like a long time before wonder woman ever became aware right. of her so that like is a good uh, yeah, she was that is a good idea sam that is something that is possible they very well could bring cheetah back like twisting two cheetahs into one it's not like that's the first time that's ever been done in a comic book movie before certainly not in, in dc comic book right. movies. They kind of mashed up a whole bunch of them to get Justice League going, you know?
0: Yeah, exactly. Well, we we thought uh, this one was pretty close to the, you know, uh, to the comics. It seems like this one lined up pretty well. Now, was this movie a success? Let's move over and check the critical reception. All right, on... Um... Let's stop over at Rotten Tomatoes first. Uh, we've got a sixty-five percent on the tomato meter, a seventy-three percent or audience score.
2: It recently lost its. Uh, what was it? Was what do they call it's it? Certified, certified fresh. fresh. That recently lost that. I believe it was this morning.
0: Uh, over on Metacritic, it's not doing. Uh, quite as well uh, we do have a, a few very positive you know, um, reviews from critics um, The Atlantic's David Sims says it's refreshingly silly and airy adventure focused on the emotions of one character Wonder Woman, played by Gal Gadot and a charming end to a tiring year of cinema, and I think that's kind of a per- perfect summation he's got it listed as a seventy, a 7.5 out of 10, and I, I uh, that's that seems about, you know that's a great, <laughs> excuse me that seems like a great summation of this movie. A lot of critics panned it. People don't seem to be loving it so much, but it, it is certainly what it is. It's a, a light, airy movie that's meant to satisfy a a lot of folks. Um, it's hard to say with box office. Now, normally this is where we go over the box office and you know, uh, pop culture resonance, but it's just come out because this is a brand special spanking new episode. Um uh, so we'll kind of yet to see what the the economic impacts of this one is. All right, we've got uh one more segment we're going to hit before we move into how we felt about the movie and give our ratings on it and this is a segment uh called Who's your hero and who's your villain. In this segment we pick a Great hero or a great and a great villain character, and they don't necessarily have to be heroes or villains as far as it's concerned. It could be a great performance and a terrible performance. Uh, we leave it all up to chance. Uh, does anyone want to get started?
1: I'll go. Um, I'll start with my villain, and uh, my villain for this movie is Wonder Woman. Oh no! She contemplated keeping a human slave. Just so she could have a boyfriend. Slave. That dude's what? body. That dude's body did not belong to Steve Trevor. <laughs> well, and she okay. was willing to keep dude's that body. dude's body forever.
2: That's true. That is very, very true. She
1: did not want to talk about it. She did not want to talk. She about I don't even it. want to consider giving up this human body. <laughs>
2: He had nobody that cared about him. He had nobody he cared about. He had pictures <laughs> I, of himself all over the place. He was completely I, look. I'm not. I'm not saying. I'm not. I'm not. He, saying, likes, I'm not, I'm not he likes the it way yet. he looks. He, I guarantee you. Well, that and his apartment was completely trashed. He he had weird clothes, um, but dude was like still it's a person,
1: right? And she
2: was gonna <laughs> He's still keep him. A human.
1: You she know, decides I, mean, I keep you. <laughs> it she, makes you Wonder well, okay. Woman. <laughs> she
0: didn't. She just wasn't actively trying to reverse it.
1: She wasn't remotely thinking about the consequence of keeping a human body. No, she didn't really consider
2: it. No, she wasn't that. In in that she was being completely selfless or selfish. Excuse me.
1: V- villainous, you might say.
0: <laughs> okay, I think I'm going to take a next one. Uh. I'm I'm gonna go with the villain too, and my villain is actually a villain that I liked, and I'm 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 interested to see where this goes. Now, this character I don't think will make any more appearances, but what it sets up is pretty fun. Uh, the villain is one of is one of Lord's Ponzi uh, victims, Simon Stag, head of Stag Industries. Uh, and I was excited to see this kind of little Easter egg and, you know, a DC nefarious company pop up. And I'm wondering where that may take things or if it's going anywhere at all, or it's just an Easter egg, but uh, I liked his look and he had, he had pretty fun hair and a vibe about him. So that's, that's my villain for this one. All
2: right. My villain, I'm going to go with uh, the natural one, Maxwell Lord. Mm-hmm. Um uh our boy Pedro, man, he uh he he nailed that role to a T. I think he was a perfect Maxwell Lord for the Maxwell Lord that we were given. Okay. Um he was very very obnoxious. He was very very um uh, uh full of himself. He was he was in, in very very power hungry. The moment he got a taste of what he wanted, the only thing that mattered was getting more and yeah. more. We heard through news reports that dude had control of, the, of 50% of the world, world's oil control, uh, oil uh, supply, so much so that the market was completely destroyed. Nobody knew what to charge for gas. And he still needed more. That was being played in the background during, during the, the – exactly – during during you know throughout the movie and and it was just it was done fantastic that was he he did a great job and um uh we know that he continues to exist further on in the universe because we've seen easter eggs of Lord Industries and Lord Enterprises um in other DC movies set in the future perhaps Alistair
1: in the comics he doesn't he have actually like the opposite of a heel turn where he kind of starts to get his act together and use his powers for good
2: no he just every once in a while he will work with the good guys he doesn't necessarily ever stop being a bad guy
1: oh i was gonna say does pedro pascal out cage nicholas cage in this role do you think or would you have liked to see nicholas
2: cage i think nicholas cage would have been too much Mc- nicholas cage
0: Mm-hmm, maybe I don't know if he would have been able to have been charming enough i he his his breakdown was was really like the whole third act was basically him like losing it and like coming apart at the seams and I, I thought he did it very well
1: we never mentioned his kid he was he was apex bad dad.
2: Oh, by far. I mentioned it earlier (laughs) when he lost his shit about his kid uh, being there for visitation. He was like, how many weekends do I have? And, you know, through the silhouette (laughs) of the glass panel, you see the kid get up and run away, you know. um, And
0: and then he just gets him back too. there's like he doesn't really have to give anything up to get his child back. He just has to undo the bad stuff.
2: Well, see, now remember that his kid sat there, and even though Maxwell jerked away during the first time he tried, he wished for his dad to be good. Great. But first, he wished to have his
1: power. I thought they were going to bust him up at that point because he was like, what do you wish for? I wish that I could have you all the time. And he said, don't wish for something you already have. You know, you have to wish for greatness like I have. And he says, well, then I wish for your greatness. I thought they were going to bust it up, and this kid was going to be like. No, he
2: said, "I wish for you." He said, "I wish for your for you to be good." I. Or, I wish for your goodness. Excuse me. I thought he said greatness.
1: I think he says that you that you should wish for greatness. Like I, I, have. I, think,
0: I he said. I, I think
1: I wish I'd great I, for I, your I greatness. Pro, he I, for I, I greatness. promise you. He okay. said
2: goodness. I, on this one, I promise you. He said. Yeah, goodness. then I
1: wish for your greatness.
2: Tell me out. I'll, I'll tell you what. I'll I'll bet you twenty dollars on this one. You're on. <laughs> Hit us up over there in Radio Land. Let
0: us know. Uh, reach out and tell us.
1: You're you're on. I got PayPal at the ready.
2: <laughs> all right, There's, I'm I'm saying this because I related it to um, that's what made him actually break later when Wonder Woman was saying all of that, and his, and all of a sudden he could see his kid. He that's the fact that his kid wished for that earlier is the only reason why Maxwell Lord broke it and 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 actually undid his wish
1: how come the kid never got a wish because he wished because at the end he also wished that his dad was there right then shouldn't he have that wish had come true no because it you only get one he was being touched by the particles baby
2: but (laughs) what's the one he got (laughs) Uh, but okay so there's a plot hole because barbara got more than one
1: right well he granted her more than one as a consequence of somebody else's yes. wish.
2: Right. Oh, well, actually, the wish stone gave her the first one. Mm-hmm. He gave her the second one. So technically, he only gave her one wish.
1: Another question. How does she get become like a cheetah? Whose wish, did, you know, who did you take that off of? Did a cheetah make a wish? And then he says, well, I'm giving <laughs> your cheetah to this no, guy.
2: She wished to be an apex yeah. predator, and that would be a cat. Yeah, the first know?
0: part is magic. The price has to be something, you know, because it's ephemeral price as well.
2: well. Exactly. I don't get it.
0: <laughs> well, speaking of cheetah, I'm gonna go ahead and and jump in with my hero in this one. Uh and it was a close tie for me between uh this and the the young Diana actress, but I'm gonna go with my hero is actually a villain, and it's Kristen Wiig, her performance in this, I thought was really fun. A little hammy at first, but I thought that she really got into the to the head of Cheetah and made that transition from uh, a shy person who was jealous into you know a character willing to do whatever it took once she got a taste of that power. Um, and I thought that was just artfully done. Um, Absolutely, and I had a great time, you know, watching her and, and her look was yet again that that coat i love that coat with the spikes on it so (laughs) Kristen wig the actor is my hero on this
1: one i'll go uh with my hero then uh and my hero is the custodial crew who kept those floors so greasy and battle ready slipping and sliding baby (laughs) slipping and sliding they didn't slack on the wax man (laughs)
2: Unlimited supply of carnuba wax onset at all times.
1: Exactly.
2: <laughs> Man, uh, with my hero, I'm going to go with Wonder Woman. That's of course, good. Wonder Woman, she was absolutely fantastic. Again, I've said it before, I think maybe two or three times by now, but you couldn't have asked for a better Wonder Woman. She just... Not only does she look it, she just, she pulls off the personality, the movement. Every second she's on screen, I absolutely believe that that is Wonder Woman. That's my hero.
1: And she was willing to keep a
2: human vessel. (laughs) Well, you know, oversight, you know, everybody, you know, nobody's perfect. Everybody makes mistakes.
0: It just hadn't come up yet. They hadn't crossed that. She was waiting to cross that bridge when they got there. All right, guys. I think that'll just about wrap this up for us. On this one, thank you uh, for listening. And if this is something that you enjoyed, you can actually get a lot more of We Three Talking Comic Movies over on our Patreon. And we're gonna be talking about every movie between 1989's Batman all the way to 2008's Iron Man. So get in, join the discussion, hop join us with Patreon. You can talk to us directly, uh, you, we can talk about the movies. Uh, you can add your input and maybe get some bonus episode kind of ideas going for us. Join us up with that on uh, Patreon right now and stay tuned because in the future we are going to eventually have uh, a dedicated Not a Robot movie review feed. Keep an eye and as always, you would get that content first and early on the Patreon. So stick around, join up, and we're looking forward to watching some more movies with you. Now guys, we're going to give our final thoughts on this film uh and our numbered rankings. Uh Sam, let's start with you. Would you recommend this movie and what's your ranking?
1: Uh I would recommend it. I mean, there's not to just say that there haven't been a whole lot of movies to come out to watch. Um I I give it a solid 6.5. I mean, I don't have the background Uh, uh, that you know that you or josh have with the wonder woman comics i i enjoy it i i think it was a lot of fun the action was obviously stellar i mean the fights were cool everything was cool you know i i I think it was good i would recommend it to any superhero movie fan but if you're tired of superhero movies this ain't it for you
0: (laughs) this is a this is a tried and true superhero movie uh josh what were your thoughts
2: i loved it um Throughout the entire first movie, I didn't even bother bother having my laptop open because I I kind of knew I was just going to cheese through the whole thing, um, grinning, and I I did. From the first moments where we saw Little Wonder Woman running through and doing her best to try and beat all the grown Amazon warriors in, in a competition, um, all the way through the emotional turmoil with Steve Trevor and her battles that we saw later on, it the, the whole thing was fantastic man i enjoyed the hell out of it and i can't figure out what everybody's problem is i give this one a 9 out of 10
0: well i agree with you josh i had a sm- i could not stop smiling at this movie um it is overall it's cheesy it's goofy it's n- nowhere near any kind of serious but it was a ton of fun gal gadot is just the perfect on-screen encapsulation of this character. Her and Chris Pine interacting together is like the perfect chemistry, and I understand why they (laughs) rewrote the world in order to bring him back into this movie. Now, I'm actually going to give this two different rankings. I'm going to rank it once as just a movie to see, and then again as a comic book movie, because I think there's a distinction there. You know, maybe in a different time, I I would consider this differently, but as a movie... Just a standard movie. I, I'm. I would rank this kind of low. I think I would put this at a seven, like a seven point two five, because it is che- cheesy, as hokey. There's a MacGuffin. It's very transparent. Um, it's a lot of fun, but there's not a whole lot of meat on this bones. But as a comic book movie, specifically a Wonder Woman comic book movie, I think that this this is almost perfect. This is an an A out of ten in that aspect, because they nail the theme. They nail the character. This is everything Wonder Woman stories should and can be, and I'm so excited that we're going to get
1: another story. You guys busted me up. I'm taking it up an extra half point. I think it's a seven.
2: <laughs> <laughs> You're allowed to do that. Yeah,
0: we we do it all the time here. <laughs> all right, guys. Well, I we if you haven't watched this yet, hopefully you you give it a, a shot now. Just you know, it's it's a fun, relaxing experience. I, I smiled ear to ear the whole time. Uh, I smiled the, ear to ear this whole podcast as well. So we'd like to thank you for sticking around. We'd like to thank our very pa- uh, very kind patrons for making this kind of stuff possible and hoping we'll see you uh, over on Patreon soon.
2: You can get that stuff for just a dollar a month. Of course, you know if you want to be a little generous, you can bump up into the other tiers, one of which will actually get you on a podcast with us. So, take a look at that. And uh, we hope you have fun.
0: All right, folks, that's going to bring us to the end of the show. We hope you had a good time listening because we had a great time making it. And we hope to see you on the next one. So, until next
1: time, be wonderful to each other.
2: And don't be a robot.
1: Talk to
0: us anytime about whatever.
2: Does Superman
0: have giant steel turds? Mm-hmm. Who knows? These are the questions we can parse out.
2: Somebody out there has got the answer to that.
0: <laughs> or just like would he even poop at all because like his organs are all like supercharged and he just like it would just atomize all the stuff
1: and, like, just... or does he poop immediately upon eating because he's so... Oh, so fast he has to eat on the toilet? Yeah,
2: exactly. <laughs>